0: The book of James, chapter 1, verses 26. The book of James, chapter 1, verses 26. I'm going to read verse 26 and verse 27. And for anyone in here that has attended all 10 messages and has never read an entire chapter of the Bible, you now have accomplished that mission. Yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. I with that. from the world next week we're going to be doing what we're calling salvation sunday the goal and purpose of next week's service is single-eyed and single-focused to see people saved amen the great commission jesus gives us a great commission he says go into all the world preach the gospel and make disciples. The primary reason for the gathering of the church is to be equipped and empowered in God's word. And the secondary thing we get to do is we get to see people saved evangelism is a weapon that God has given us to go into the world to get people to see them meet Jesus and be saved. There are many different ways we get to see people saved through outward evangelism, but as a church, we want to prioritize next week's whole thing about getting people saved. That requires you doing your best to help me and help us get people who are unsaved or need Jesus or need healing In the room, okay? You, us together collectively know thousands of people. I might know a couple of hundred, you might know a couple of hundred, but we together know thousands. And I want to encourage you and ask you next week, we're setting time aside to see people meet. Jesus, the whole service. We always have an opportunity in our services for people to be saved and meet Jesus. But next week's whole purpose is to see people meet Jesus and be saved or come back to Jesus for those who have turned their back on Him. Amen? Next week, Salvation Sunday. Make sure we're all here and do our best to bring somebody along with us. Can we do that? So the whole idea in the book of James, the the, The dominant overarching theme of James is that real faith is a faith that works. Meaning if you say you believe, prove it. If you say you believe in Jesus, your life will be the evidence of that believing. Because right believing, genuine right believing produces right behaving. The gospel is not a behavior modification system. The the, the gospel is a life transformation system where people who are broken and lost and dead in their sin meet Jesus and they are saved. We don't work for our salvation, but the point of believing when it becomes real to us produces a change in our living. And so James here hammers home through chapter one and continues through the rest of James to, in every aspect, hammer home this idea that if you believe, your life will prove it. The way that you live, the way that you think, the way that you act will prove that your heart has been turned from darkness to light, from sinner to saint, from lost to To found, this is the overarching dominant theme of the book of James. It's weaved all the way through it. And today, James continues to press upon us his his idea that if you say you're saved, prove it. He opens up and he says, He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James likens your tongue to a horse. We talked about horses last week. We got the visual of me riding a horse last week. We got the visual of me hurting my inner thighs while riding a horse last week. Any horse riders? A couple of horse riders in here. James gives us this picture. He says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle that is what is used to put in the horses gained a lift—horse's mouth to keep it under control. A bridled, sorry, an unbridled horse is a powerful beast. They are. You ever go stand next to a horse? It's magnificent. You stand next to it, and you're like this thing is genuinely a beast. And an unbridled horse is a magnificent beast that will run wild. But a bridled horse is a powerful beast that can be used to do really good things. James is encouraging us with our tongue again. We spoke about it last week. But he's encouraging us again. He says, if anyone thinks you're religious but does not bridle his tongue, it says he's deceived And his religion is worthless. You see, what James is trying to get us across here is that if we don't control our tongues, then all our other religious duties that we do are worthless. The word religious here is speaking more in the sense of ceremonial worship or organized worship. If anyone thinks he's uh, the big idea being this, If you, week in, week out, come to church, you tick all your boxes of being a good Christian, you sing your songs, you give a little bit in the tithes and offering bucket, you shake somebody's hand and you say, God bless you, brother. But you are unable to bridle your tongue in every other area of your life. This outward expression of religion, this worship, the Bible says is worthless. And the reason it's worthless is because we looked at it last week and we'll address it again now, is that Jesus teaches us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This tongue, this mouth, unbridled, out of check, will run wild. And what it will do is it will show people what's actually on the inside. Matthew chapter 15 Verse 7, Jesus says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Do you know, we look at this idea of religion and we think we're, we're charismatic Christians in a modern day church. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. But I mean, it's true. Christianity is not just a religion, it's a relationship. But this idea of religion here is that there's an aspect of our relational salvation and life with Jesus where we are encouraged to come into corporate settings to outwork our worship in a way that works together in the ordinances, and the sacraments, where we worship God in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, where we worship God in our giving, where we worship God by breaking bread, taking communion together. And these ordinances are incredible things. This organized aspect of our Christianity, this is what this word religion is talking about, is good Except Jesus is saying, I don't want all that stuff, that this outward expression of worship is all in good. You look good to other people, but your heart is far from me. And so James is pressing upon us. You can have your religion in order. You can make sure you're living this religious pious lifestyle where everybody knows that you are a godly man or a godly woman and you can say bless you brother 10,000 times a day but he's saying but if your heart is far from me your mouth's going to let us all know and he's saying if you cannot take control of what's coming out of your mouth it's because what in your heart is not true worship. James is pretty aggressive you see he just keeps. Pounding us down to remind us that the proof is in the pudding. Who knows the the statement, talk is cheap? There's a reason, because you can say anything. You get on social media, people will say anything. They can tell you any story. But the reality is, if you don't see their life, if you don't see what they say backed up with words, then what they say can be worthless, because what they're doing is worthless. So James is giving this picture. You tame this horse, this tongue. It can be used for really, really good. But if you do not bridle that tongue, you're gonna show what's on the inside because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says, you hypocrites, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me because what's in your heart is revealed by what comes out of your mouth. The challenge, as we open up today again from James, is get, what's, get your heart right. Take your tongue under control and worship God. Because if you don't take this under control, all your religious activity, James is saying, is worthless. Because out of this comes this. And he's saying, pull it in. Take restraint by the grace of the Holy Spirit, the mercy of God. Submit yourself under God's leadership and His kindness. And He's saying, He's not saying, don't worship me. He's not saying, I don't want to be magnified through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He's saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't stand on the street corner saying all sorts of things, slandering, gossiping, backbiting, swearing, being foul-mouthed, get it all in order. Because what's in here is going to come out of here. And you can look like a fancy Christian all day, but if your heart's far from God, friends, James saying your worship is worthless. It's confronting, but it's what the Bible says. So James says, If any of you is religious, but does not bridle his tongue and deceives his own heart, your religion is worthless. But then he comes to verse 27 and he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James then says religion that is pure and undefiled before God is two things. To visit orphans and widows in their afflictions, to serve others selflessly, and two, to keep yourself unstained from the world, to live holy and righteously. You see, this morning I don't want to bring condemnation for those that are still working on taming the tongue, because the tongue's a beast and it takes time to be tamed. I mean. As I talked about last week riding a horse, I'm sure if I had to get on a horse and try and figure out how to tame that thing, it's gonna take me a little bit of practice. Might take me a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of the horse bucking me to and fro. I'm not sure, it's been about 30 years since I rode a horse. So I want you to understand this isn't a message of condemnation. James is exhorting and encouraging you to say, you do worship me and you do love me. So prove it by putting in the effort to tame the beast. And he said, and then I'll show you a faction of worship, of religion, of outward expression that is undefiled, and that's pure. And he says, go and visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. The thing that he's saying here is that go and serve people and care for people that cannot serve and care for you back. Because it's easy to go and love somebody and be kind to somebody. You know that if you put in your, your, your time here, you might get something back. But orphans, what can an orphan do for you? What can a widow do? Do for you and widow being those whose husband has left this earth and left them with nothing and they've got no support. So go, be you, your outward expression of worship that, that puts proof in the pudding, that shows you where your heart is, is you caring for others who cannot care for you back. It's not just acts of service to these people. It's selfless acts of service. For people, It's like the kind of selfless act Jesus gave for us upon the cross. You see, we can do nothing for Jesus, but he did everything for us. To the point of the cross, even to death, he died so that we could live and there's nothing we can do for him except say, you are now my Lord and whatever you want, here I am. James is saying true worship is us expressing and giving ourselves, laying down our lives for others the same way that Jesus did it for us. The same way that Jesus gave his life when we could give him nothing in return. Pure and undefiled worship is caring for those who can't care for you back. I agree, Summer. Summer's my daughter on the front row. She's heckling me. Where's Freddie? He's not here. That's why she's taking Freddie's job this morning. Normally, Freddie's heckling me. You See? Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. It's not going to be on the screen, but you know it. It's what it says It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep. From the goats, And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared before you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. Why is pure and undefiled worship in the selfless serving of people that can't serve you back? Because Jesus says, when you do that for them, you did it to me. When you gave your life to serve these people who can't serve you back, you did it for me. When you put clothes upon those children that go to bed cold every night, you put a blanket on my shoulders. You worshipped me. When you put food in their bellies, you worshipped me. When you welcomed a stranger, those who nobody else wanted, you did it to me and Jesus is saying I don't want just your outward expression of worship would cost you nothing I want to see your life a living sacrifice of worship that you would give your life to serve humanity as I gave my life to serve you because when you do it for the least of these you do it to me and that friends James says is pure and undefiled religion that is pure and undefiled outward expression of worship or what's on the inside here because talk is cheap but your life lived that's where the proof of your love for me is there's a famous saint called saint francis of assisi he had a statement he says preach the gospel at all times using words when necessary preach the gospel at all times using words when necessary Now, we understand the Bible commissions us to verbally preach the gospel, but this statement's so profound because he's saying, you do need to preach the gospel. He's like, but will your life live what you're preaching? Or is your worship going to be worthless? Or is it going to be pure and undefiled? We have a lot of new people visiting our church and joining our church. And so this morning, I wanted to show us a couple of ways as a church that we are already outworking the mandate, what James is giving us, to care for orphans and widows in their affliction, to serve our community selflessly, even though they can't give back to us. Because it's something that we do as a church, uh, and, and I want us to know about it. So if we could please show the first video in just a second. This is the She Rescue Home. The She Rescue Home is an organization that our church started roughly 20-ish years ago, 15 to 20 years ago. Anyone remember that, Jace? Something like that, 15 to 20 years. My mother got on an airplane and she flew into Cambodia and she saw uh, before it was trendy the affliction of young girls, underage girls who were being sold and into the sex slave industry. She went there and she felt overwhelmed by what she was seeing. And she said to God, what on earth can I do to solve this problem? And she was reminded of the quote, to succumb to the enormity of the problem is to fail the one. To succumb to the bigness and the overwhelmingness of the problem is to fail that one girl that we might be able to help. And out of that was born the She Rescue Home that has now put multiple young girls rescued out of the sex slave industry, rehabilitated, taught, educated, and has released them into a new life, a new destiny, and a new purpose through the She Rescue Home. And this is something that our church globally is involved in let's have a look at the quick video you see pure and undefiled worship is caring for those who can never care for you is doing what we can do from a place of privilege place of prosperity and if you live in this nation you live in a place of privilege and prosperity to help people who cannot help themselves And that is worship because everything that we've done for that little girl who's a representation of many, she came into the home under the age of 10, was rescued out of active sex slavery, was rehabilitated, trained and equipped and given a future and a hope to then find a husband, to have a child and to have a family. And everything we do for people like that Jesus says, you did it to me, and that is pure worship. Another area that we have supported globally as a church has been a bunch of work that Savannah and I did over in Africa, caring for people in the middle of Uh, In many different places, and this video you're going to see is some work we did up in the bush of Kenya, where you get on a plane, you fly to Nairobi, you get on another plane and fly to a little tiny town called Kisumu, and then you drive from Kisumu across the most uncomfortably dangerous roads you could imagine, three hours into the middle of nowhere to find a group of community of churches and people. They have about 70 different churches, and the majority of them meet under trees or in tin sheds. And we did work with them, and it's something that we're a part of, and it's loving people that really can do nothing back for us. Have a look at this quick little video. You see, because of what we're a part of, we have influence all over the world. Changing people's lives, caring for people that cannot care for us back. And as the world continues to get back to normal and the right season allows, we we desire and plan to take people on international trips to Cambodia and up into Africa to preach the gospel, to care for the, the broken, to look after orphans and widows and to see what God's doing over there because it's something that God has called us to as a global church to influence our world for good and for God by selflessly loving others. But also locally, we want to be able to have a hands-on impact and influence here in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, one thing that some of you know about and some of you don't is an organization that started in Australia out of our church there that we are launching and setting up here in Nashville, Tennessee, with a desire to impact the college students of Nashville, Tennessee and beyond. And it's called Red Frogs. Red Frogs, excuse me, Red Frogs' mission is to serve a generation, to save a generation. To go in low to serve people in college parties and universities down on Broadway in music festivals, people who are throwing their lives. Into the worldly ways of living that promise hope but give brokenness to serve them through selfless acts of kindness, through helping them uh, be hydrated to help rehabilitation if they're on the street and they can't walk home in whatever is needed to serve the people in front of us that ultimately they would be helped out of that pit and find Jesus and this is what we uh, is called red. Frogs that Pastor Dan and Josie are building and launching here in Nashville, Tennessee, because this is how we locally are serving the orphans and widows, serving those who can do nothing for us. Amen. Let's have a quick look at that video of the red frogs. Because James says, pure and undefiled religion is this. to care for orphans, care for widows, In their affliction. Today, the goal of these videos is not to try and take up an offering to support them. The goal is to show you as a church what we've already been supporting because of who we are and because we believe that God has called us to win the lost, to make disciples, and to influence our world, not by dead religious uh, duties of worship, but by pure, undefiled religion to go and serve those who cannot serve us back. Another thing that I want to do, and this is going to be a shock to my staff included, but I felt the Lord speak to me about it last week. Uh, Well, it's been a while stirring, and I felt the confirmation in my heart last week as we had Jay up on this stage. Jay is the principal of the school that we're hosting here at our church called Tennessee Nature Academy. And uh, he came and shared a brief word about the school that they're running here—it's a—it's a state school, it's a public school—and he—he made mention that in this school, people come from this region, right where we're in the center of one of the most diverse uh, corners in the whole city, um, ethnically um, and financially, in in every way you can imagine. We live in the corner, four corners of the, one of the most diverse areas in the whole city. And he said, and many of the kids that come to his school, the only food, substantial food they get is when they come to school that week. And he said it, and it hit my heart because it's something I'd been stewing with with God. And, you know, throughout the years, social justice movements arise and different mission ideas come and Some take precedent. The big one at the moment, the big push at the moment is around sex trafficking. It's happening. It's all over the world. But I felt God impress upon my heart to start feeding our community, to start caring for this this broader, this region that God's put us in to feed the children, to feed those whose only food they get is at school at lunchtime. I can't even imagine it's that good. And so I felt the Lord impress As I was reading James, as I've been studying James, every time I came across this passage, I was like, Lord, we'll get to that. Lord, we'll get to that pure and undefiled worship. We're doing our other things, which we are. We're doing great things all around the world. We're doing great things here in our city. And I just kept hearing and press on my heart to feed the children, those who have nothing right here across the road. And so this morning before I got up on stage, I bought feedthembellies.com. And we're going to launch, I can't tell you when, because now my team are just hearing about this now. So we're going to have to go and strategize, get something in place to make sure we can handle what God's doing. But who knows, if it's God's vision, He'll make it happen. Amen. Amen. Feedthembellies.com. And we're going to start putting things in place to create an environment where people around here know that we want to care for our local community. Amen. So keep an eye out for feed them bellies. I thought it's the South. so we could go. I could have got feed those bellies, but I just, I genuinely kept hearing in my heart, feed them bellies. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Why would we say them bellies when those bellies is available or feed the bellies is available. And I felt the Lord keep on repeating my heart, feed them bellies. And so soon enough, we will be launching in some capacity the idea to feed the bellies of the people in our community. That we would be a church that participates in pure and undefiled worship and cares for those who cannot care for us back. Feed their bellies, fill their hearts, and save their souls. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, Lord. It's amazing when things like this happen. You can feel emotion, but don't be so quick to glide off to emotion. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God resting on His vision and His plan. James then says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And then he says, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So pure and undefiled worship, the proof of the pudding, the living out of our believing is in caring for people that cannot care for us back in selfless acts of service and keeping ourselves from being stained by the world. He's saying, live holy and love holy. Live holy and love holy. John 17, 14, Jesus says, I had given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also might be sanctified in the truth. You ever heard that Bible verse that says be in the world and not of the world? It's not in the Bible. That's the verse. Jesus is saying, I'm not of this world and neither are they. But God, don't take them out of the world. We're not looking to escape the world. He's saying keep them in it, but protect them from the evil. Keep them from evil. Sanctify them in your Word. And and James is telling us pure worship is us not just hearing the Word, but doing the Word. Not looking in the mirror and then turning around and forgetting who we are and living like the world in the world, but remembering to live out what we've heard in the Word of Truth to sanctify us and set us apart. Live in this world But keep yourself from being stained by the world so you can influence the world. Because you cannot influence a world that has influenced you. The reason we are set apart The reason we are holy and anointed ones, to be holy means to be sanctified and set apart, is not that we have this escapism idea that the world is so bad, so get me out of here, God. It's that, God, thank you that by your word, you've washed my mind, you've cleansed my heart, and I am in the world, but I'm not of the world, so I can influence the world so that we would live holy and give our lives that those in the world might be saved from the world into his kingdom, into his purpose, that they would be sanctified and set apart by the word of God that we wouldn't take them out of the world, but God, you'd keep them in the world, protect them from evil so they can influence the world and keep us on this repetitive cycle to outwork the commission of Jesus to go into all the nations and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I tell you today, if the grace of God hasn't changed you, there's proof in the pudding that He hasn't saved you because as we walk in the grace and the mercy of the Lord, He sanctifies us by the Word of God. We renew our minds in the Word of God. You don't have to be saved, then saved, and then be perfect. You need to be saved. Submit yourself to the Word of God and put one foot in front of the other. And day by day, as you walk, He cleanses you because you've been saved. You're being saved and ultimately you will be saved one day when the king returns but friends pure worship is this serve those who can't serve you back and separate yourself from the world not in a way of exclusivity but to keep yourself unstained and influenced by the world so that you can influence the world and see their lives transformed so live holy and love holy amen